In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it, it's been a few years now, but it happened while I was at the seminary studying to be a pastor. I was sitting there one day at the cafeteria with some of my friends over lunch when one of our classmates came up and, and walked over and, and kind of plopped himself down at our table. And, and he sat down with a, a declaration of sorts to make. He declared, he, he told us that he had finally pulled the plug. He had deleted his Facebook account. Now, I can't say that any of us were too shocked. I mean, anyone who spent any amount of time on, on social media, especially in the crazy politicized world we live in, has, has thought about leaving it all behind. Uh, maybe some of us wish that we could pull the plug. Uh, so we, we weren't shocked, but uh, at least I, speaking for myself, was a little curious, right? Like, like well, what led him to, to finally the plug on, on it all and, and delete the Facebook account. And, and he told us that he realized he had a problem when uh, a few weeks earlier he was uh, getting ready for his son's baptism. And as he was thinking about that special day, he, he was thinking about the pictures that would be taken, uh, the pictures that he would post on Facebook. And he was already thinking about like who would see it and how many people would like it and, and how people would be commenting and how cute his baby was, and, and so he realized he had, he had a problem, that this day that was going to be all, that was supposed to be all about what God was going to do in an act of grace for his little child, that he had made this day all about him. And, and he realized, that, like, I, I have made this all about me, and this is not good. And I, I, again, I can't say that too many of us were shocked at this, not at all. We weren't appalled by his behavior, because the, the truth is that we've all been there, haven't we? Uh, whether it's a moment in our life or maybe decades of our lives, we have all made our lives all about me. Uh, many people take a lot of time to craft that perfect selfie or, or we're, we're sure to, to post the pictures from our mission trip so that everyone can see what we've been doing for the last week. I, you don't need to have social media to do this, right? This has been going on for thousands of years. We're really good at making life all about me. You, you see it in, in parents who make their kids' sports all, all about fulfilling some unmet dream. Uh, you, you see it in the ways that we're, we're able to weave our accomplishments into conversations that had nothing to do about us. Uh, maybe you recognize it in yourself when you make a gift or donate your time, no matter how big or, or small, just so you can feel good uh, about yourself or have some, some story to share. As humans, we are just really, really good at making life all about me, at turning the spotlight around on ourselves. Uh, but today, today, we are reminded that, that this life we are living, this Christian life, is not about me, and it's not about you, and that that's a really, really good thing. Uh, that's what Paul reminds us of in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, uh, we've been reading through the book of 2 Corinthians, so, so you might remember, and, and you might have heard it here, that in this section, but also in, in the last few chapters, Paul has been defending his ministry amongst the, the Corinthians. He's been trying to explain to them why they, they, they should continue to listen to his words, why they should believe what, what he's been trying to, to get across to them. And now there are lots of reasons why Paul feels like he needs to, to, to defend his ministry, at least a few. Um, it seems like some in the Corinthian church aren't 
They're just not impressed by Paul, that, that they see other apostles who seem much more eloquent and such more powerful, and Paul seems kind of lowly, maybe his words are, are stumbling. They're just not impressed. And, and then there's the fact that, that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians about this time that he had promised to come to Corinth, but then the plans fell through, and, and, and maybe there are some in the city there who are now scratching their heads, kind of questioning his intentions, like, does he really care about them? Why didn't he, he come? Um, there, there are a few reasons why he feels like he has to defend his ministry. And as he defends his ministry, like, while he's saying, here's why you should continue to believe and, and hear out what I have to say, it might sound like Paul is only building himself. But it becomes clear throughout this reading that that's not the case at all. That Paul's point here is, is not to make himself look good. It's not to point the, the spotlight or the finger inward, but, but instead he's trying to draw all of the attention to Jesus. What Paul recognizes today is that his life, his ministry amongst the Corinthians, it's not about him. It's about Jesus, the one who lives in him, the one who has done so much for him, and now the one who works through him. Uh, this really comes out uh, throughout our reading for today, this faith that Paul has in Jesus. We, we first hear about it in verse 1, where Paul wrote this. He said, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Paul recognizes that it's only because of the mercy that Jesus has had on him that he has this ministry at all. It's only because God has shown him grace that he's able to travel the world and, and share the good news of Jesus. Paul famously calls himself the, the chief of sinners, right? Paul recognizes who he is and the problem he has, and he knows that it's only because God has had mercy on a sinner like him that he has this ministry. It's not because he's so great or so powerful or so eloquent. His entire ministry and work rests on the mercy of Jesus. Paul knows that. Uh, but, but we hear it, uh, this this Jesus-centered faith in other verses in our passage for today, like verse 5, where he just makes it clear, right? He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for the sake of Jesus. Uh, Paul is saying, look, if, if I was going around talking about myself and how great I, I was, then don't pay me any attention. But I'm not, he's saying. I, I came here to, to preach about someone else, to point you to Jesus, and I'm just his servant, that's it. He goes on in verse 6, though, to say, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Paul realizes that he, again, only has this ministry because Jesus has shown his light into Paul's dark heart. And, and because Jesus did that, it's only because of that that he's able to reflect that light back outwards towards the Corinthians. It's not about Paul. He gets it. It's all about Jesus working in him and for him and through him. But Paul goes on in verse 7, and, and this is uh, 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 an image that I just love that Paul uses. Uh, maybe you've heard these words before. Paul writes in verse 7, But we have this treasure, that is the treasure of the ministry of Jesus Christ and all that Christ has done. We have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul says that he's nothing but a, a jar of clay. And uh, another way to translate those, those two words, clay jar, would be earthen vessel, or a, a vessel, a, a cup made out of the dirt or the dust of, of the ground. And if, if that makes you think of something, I, I think we ought to have in mind Genesis 1 
where, where God forms Adam out of the, the dust of the earth. And, and that's what Paul is, say, Paul is saying. He's like, look, I, I know that I'm nothing. Like, like Adam, like all of humanity, I'm, I'm, I'm just a creature that, that, that God formed from, from the ground. I'm, I'm dust. But Paul recognizes that, that he has been filled with the power of God. So he's a clay jar, but he's filled with Jesus. This, this clay jar language, one way you could think of it to, to put a modern spin on it, uh, clay jars in Paul's day were like the, the plastic cups, the giveaway cups of our day. You know, the, the kind that your kids get with the kids' meal at the restaurant, like a Chick-fil-A, or, or the, the kind maybe you pick up at some sort of like fair or, or something like that. They're the kind of cups that when they get cracked, you just throw them out. They're the, the everyday cups that you drink your juice out of uh, in the morning. That's what Paul's saying he is. He's, he's, he's nothing. And yet he recognizes that Jesus works in him and through him and for him. And how amazing that is. And, and the fact that he is nothing but this plastic cup, this, this clay jar, just highlights the, the goodness and the amazing power of God that much more. Uh, I, I, here's another way to think about it. I don't know if we have any uh, wine snobs out there today, like any of you who are really enjoy wine, enjoy a good glass. Um, but what Paul is saying today is that um, his life is like taking a, a really expensive bottle of wine, like crazy expensive, the, the kind that maybe you've been holding on to for a super special once-in-a-lifetime occasion. And it would be like taking that really expensive glass of wine and pouring it into that cracked cup from Chick-fil-A that your kids drink juice out of every morning. Now, if, if you're a wine stop, you're thinking to yourself, no way, you would never do that, right? Uh, but that's what God has done for Paul. God has poured his his spirit into Paul's life, filling him, working in him and for him and through him. And the fact that it is this, this jar of clay, this earthen vessel, this uh, plastic cup, only highlights the goodness and the power of God that much more. At today's message, I think, this reminder that it's not about me. We're nothing. It's all about Jesus in me and for me and through me. This message today, on the one hand, is very humbling. I think you would agree. On those good days, at least on our good days, when we're feeling pretty good about ourselves and we feel like we do have some things to brag and boast about and, and we are looking back at a whole list of accomplishments that we've achieved. When people are giving us applause and, and praise, today's words are humbling, right? It's humbling to think of yourself as a plastic throwaway cup, a jar of clay as nothing but dirt or earth. But it's a helpful, a needed reminder that this life is not about it's all about Jesus. It's humbling. But I think, I think this passage is also awfully encouraging, at least on our worst of days. On, on, on those days where we feel like we have sinned and failed and made messes that we know we, we can't clean up. When, when we have hurt people and harmed others, uh, when we feel totally inadequate, like, like we want to help, we, we want to be a conduit of God's goodness, but we know we don't have the words, and we don't know we don't know enough, and, and, and we're afraid that we're, we're, we'll fail. And I, I should tell you that it, even as a pastor, I have plenty of those days where I walk into a room thinking, I don't know what to say, or I'm sure they're going to have questions that I can't answer. We all do. But that's why we need this reminder today, this encouragement, that it's not about me. It's not about my power, my words, or yours either, but it's all about Jesus working in us and for us and through us. And so, yes, we will fail, but, but Jesus never does. And, and yes, we will sin, but we, we are forgiven. And, and yes, we are completely inadequate, but God is powerful and strong. 
good thing that it's not about me and it's not about you. How wonderful it is that it's all about Jesus. Now, for, for Paul, this recognition and this faith that he had in, in his Savior, it, it changed him in some powerful ways. It didn't just change how he thought about himself and how he thought about his God. It, it like changed his practical life. <laughs> and, and we hear about how it changed his ministry in verse 2 for today. So listen to these words. Listen to what Paul says. He says, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception." nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul is saying because he knows that it's not about him, how great he is, his accomplishments, his words, his abilities, and it's all about Jesus, he, he says that because of that, he has renounced secret and shameful ways. He doesn't, doesn't have to resort to, to underhanded ways of living in, in order to, to puff himself up or to gain an audience or to win people for Jesus. Oh, if God is going to do it, he's, he's going to do it. He says he doesn't need to use deception. He doesn't need to distort the word of, of God in, in order to make believers. He can simply rest in the power of God, again, in him and for him and now working through him. It, it has changed his whole approach to ministry. Uh, but we hear more about how it has changed Paul in, in verse 8 of our reading for today. And these are powerful words, I think. And, and as we read them, I, I think we need to, to see them not just uh, as some idea, but, but very practically what they meant for Paul. We'll, we'll talk about that. Let me read for you these words first. Verse 8, he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. For, for Paul, when, when he says these these trials he's had, he's, he's probably thinking about like actual circumstances. This isn't just some esoteric idea for him. He says, we are hard pressed on every side. And he is, he's, he's been persecuted and chased uh, after, uh, thrown out of town, made to run for his life. But he says, he's not crushed because he knows Jesus is, is in him and for him and, and through him. He says he's been perplexed. He had to have been perplexed, right? Like, like when he was in Ephesus for, for such a long time, almost two years, and then made to run for his life. That had to be perplexing to him. Like, God, what are you up to? Why are you ending this now when, when everything's just getting going? He, he was perplexed, but not in despair. He had been persecuted, like actually persecuted, uh, beaten and whipped and stoned, left for dead. But he says he knew he was never abandoned, struck down, again, physically struck down with rocks thrown his way, but not destroyed. Because Paul knew that it wasn't about him, but that it was all about Jesus. He had confidence and, and boldness and peace and comfort in what his Savior had done for him and was now doing through him for the good other people. Uh, a few years back, again, when I was in seminary, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip. I, I might have shared uh, that trip with at least some of you. It was a, a trip to Guatemala City. went with some of my classmates there. And Guatemala City, at least at, at the time, it was one of the most dangerous cities in the world, as, as well as one of the poorest. And uh, we stayed there with a couple who ran a, a mission down there. Uh, it was an American couple, actually, who, who had a house down there. A, a couple who had left a very comfortable life in, in, in the States. Uh, the husband had a job, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, in finance. And by all accounts, life 
had been good for them. But they had come to, to Guatemala like I had on a short-term mission trip a, a number of times. And it, it seems as though uh, through those trips, they, they began to see that life was not about them. Eventually, the, this couple took the plunge themselves and they moved to, to Guatemala full-time and they took over the mission. Now, when I first heard that, I was fired up. I thought, how noble. I, I thought, man, I would love to do that. But as I got to talking to them and, and uh, lived that week with them, I, I began to see that it was noble, but it was also really, really hard and very, very selfless. You see, life for them in Guatemala City was really really hard. I mean, they, they now had finances to worry about. Something that hadn't been uh, that troubling to them before was, was now a daily concern. How are they going to keep this mission going and, and, and pay the rent? They had to, to work on getting donations. And it wasn't just them and their finances that they were worried about, but they had this whole, whole team of, of missionaries down there, locals, who, who they were trying to, to support. Um, but it wasn't only financial trouble. They also had some very real dangers to worry about. Uh, as they described it, every trip to the grocery store was now exhausting and dangerous. They had to constantly be looking behind them, making sure that no one was following them. Uh, they were always looking over their shoulder once they were in their store because Americans, well, they, they stand out. Um, they, they couldn't answer the phone in their own home at the, at the mission because, again, they didn't want to, anyone to know that an American was living at that house with, with that number. They, they had a, a rooftop deck that was beautiful to sit on in the morning and overlook the mountains and in all of Guatemala City, but you couldn't look over the edge of the roof because you didn't know who might be looking back up at you. Life was hard for them there in that city. And, and I wondered, how did they do that? Right? How, how did they live so selflessly, giving all that up and, and living this dangerous life now? Well, I, I, I think the reason why they were able to do it is because of the faith they had, the faith that Paul had, the faith that we're all called to, a faith that says, look, this life, it's not about me. It's about Jesus, though, the one who lives in me, the one who has done so much for me, and now the one who wants to work through me. It's not about me, dear friends, and it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. That's a really, really good thing in his name.